0: You believe in something this morning. Why don't you believe in a church? Why don't you believe in the glory of dominion that God gave us the power to build a building on a hill that stands for something in the community? That we're not afraid to stand up for what we believe in and tell the lawmakers and the rulers in this nation and every other nation in the world, Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he's coming back and you better repent of your sins or you're going to answer for them and God cares about this building and he cares about the churches that sprinkle the landscape of this nation. And if you go to Europe today, you'll see cathedral after cathedral that were beautiful and they're empty. And if we don't get right in this nation, that's going to happen. Look around you at the sloth. Look at the empty pews. Look at the big gaps. They didn't want to hear the truth. Believe in something today.
1: Welcome to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the sermon. Ephesians chapter four,
2: just move forward Go to verse 16. Look at this. By whom all the body being coupled and knit together by every joint for the furniture thereof, according to the effectual power, which is in the measure of every part, receiveth increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The King James says every joint supplies... So it's one thing to be receiving God's grace. It's another thing to make sure it's flowing through you to help someone else. And this is very, very important to understand. Go with me, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, I'm going to take you back to some teaching that I've given you already concerning dominion. I'm going to invite you to see something in a deeper level than what you might, you might often hear. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is a fascinating chapter of the Bible. I'm going I'm to show you two chapters out of the Bible, one in the Old Testament and one here, that are extraordinary when you understand it in the light of the, of the command of dominion. And you know that. I've always tended to do this, I I learned it from Jesus, it's what he did, and I'll probably keep doing it, but I, I find the subjects of the Bible have so much more clarity if we always go back to the pattern that we see in the Garden of Eden, at the beginning. That's when God started everything exactly how he wanted it to work, before sin. So to understand virtually every subject of the Bible, in my opinion, if you can go back to that first point where the world was made exactly how it was supposed to work, and you filter your understanding of a current doctrine or some text of scripture later on, through that that filter of God's original intent, you will end up with correct conclusions much more often than if you just ignore it. And we've gone back into the book of Genesis many times, the Bible does, discussing grace that in order to really understand it you have to understand marriage. You know the apostle said, I speak of a mystery, but I speak of Christ in the church. And he said that in the context of the description of the proper biblical relationship between a man and a woman from Genesis. He actually cites the book of beginnings in his own Remarks: Jesus did the exact same thing when he was asked about divorce. He said, well, go back to the beginning. It was not so from the beginning. Jesus referred to Genesis, the first book of the Pentateuch, written by Moses. So if we go back to Genesis, we begin to explore the true meaning of grace and how your relationship in the church is a covenant, like a marriage. And we've talked about the incredible parallels between what happened when God made Adam, you remember in the garden, that he was put into a death-like sleep, And the first surgery was performed and the Bible says that his side was surgically opened and God took his ribs out to create woman. And we see this incredible parallel of the second Adam in the second garden, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he was put on the cross and God was making a blood covenant and creating for himself a wife. The lamb's wife is making herself ready. And what happened? The son of God was put in a death-like sleep and his side was pierced open and his blood flowed. And then God took from that sacrifice at the cross and he made the body of Christ that will someday fill the the new Jerusalem, which is referred to as the bride of the lamb. So there's this beautiful parallel, it's so deep, so rich, so, so extraordinary to, to look at the mystery of Christ and the church in the context of holy matrimony. You go back to Genesis, and you begin to understand these things. Well, then in in that subject, talking about a husband and a wife, the Bible says, a husband and a wife together are heirs of the grace, say grace, of life. And so if you understand dominion, we talked about it, that God created everything with his mouth. You know the story. He he said, light be, said it. Boom, light was. He said, separate the dry land from from the moisture. Let there be clouds up here. Call that the firmament. Call this dry land. He said it. When he said it, it happened. But what we miss in our Sunday school teachings, we kind of stop. He's not done creating yet. We think that he's done creating and he rests from his labors on the seventh day. And so when we go back into the more detailed chapters, chapter two, three, four, chapter two, three, and four is actually going back and giving us uh, more details about about what already happened. And and because of that, we, we tend to miss that this happened before God rested. And in the process of creation and developing who Adam and Eve were, God was still creating things in Adam. And so when God said to Adam, be fruitful and multiply, he was creating the sexual impulse inside Adam and Eve. See, up until the moment that God said, be fruitful and multiply, he said that with creative power, they did not have the sexual impulse. That explains why they had not had sex, frankly. They didn't have sex until God created the sex drive and he did it with his mouth. Be fruitful and multiply. The desire to have one another A man and a woman, that's the only proper desire, by the way. The desire to have the opposite sex was created by the mouth, by the spoken creative power of God. But then he did something else. He created something else. And what I'm describing, I know you've heard me say it before, but it's important that you hear it again so you can get what I'm going to show you today, which I think is beautiful and magnificent. It's about dominion. He said to Adam, you know, having him look at everything, subdue the earth and have dominion over it now when he said that he created something else when he said subdue the earth have dominion over it the power of God's mouth created a desire in both man and woman to own property you've heard me say that that's the property instinct when he said be fruitful and multiply he created the sexual instinct now understanding those two powers the sexual instinct and the property instinct is the foundation of biblical economic theory so if you want to understand biblical economics and the basis for all of it all of the teaching and the scriptures about economics about financial things are tethered to the teachings about sexual issues, and many people don't realize this, but here's why, simply. When Adam was alone, he owned the whole planet. It was all his property, amen. He didn't have to worry, he didn't have, you know, the 10 commandments, honor your father and mother. Adam had no mother to honor. Don't steal, Adam couldn't steal, would steal from himself, he owned everything, right? You know, don't lie, lie to who? But the issue of property and dominion, have dominion, this was created as a desire to own stuff. And what did he own? Adam owned everything, it was his. Now this became more complicated because with sexual reproduction, the power to reproduce is the future necessity of sharing property. It wasn't just gonna be one guy owning everything, now there's two. And that's why in the next chapter of Genesis, God points out where all the gold and the jewels and everything is in the river because he knew Eve had a little bit more of the property instinct as a woman liking jewelry and a little bit less of the sexual instinct. And Adam had a lot of sexual instinct and a little bit less caring about jewels. He likes the jewels on her naked body, maybe. So this is how God made man and woman. Man, there's a little imbalance. Man has got a lot more of the sexual instinct and a little bit less of the property instinct. Woman's got a lot of the property instinct, a little bit less of the sexual instinct and we make a great couple. We balance each other out. It's designed that way on purpose. So I've made this argument on national radio explaining this is the foundation of economic theory, biblically, accurately. Adam is going to have to learn to share. You ever had a child? Anybody in here a parent? No, put your hand up. You had babies? Your babies had to learn to share, didn't they? They have to learn to control their property instinct. It's a good thing unless it's out of control. So the property instinct has to have limits. So what does Father God do with his child, Adam? Adam's got a property instinct and a sexual instinct. Now those two issues, those are the most powerful things in the world. The sexual impulse and the property impulse, literally, biologically, mathematically, scientifically keep the world turning. Tamper with either one of them. Remove the limits off of either one of them. You will destroy civilizations. Two ways to destroy the world, screw with either one of those instincts that God made. So they had to have limits, right? Adam, you own everything, but I'm giving you a wife and I'm giving you sexual power to make more people. Someday there's gonna, and you know, God didn't say all this, but he knew it, there's gonna be you know 10 million people on this planet. Adam is made outside of sin. He's supposed to live forever, right? He's gonna have to learn to share. Some fruit on some trees don't belong to you. So what does Father God do to teach his son, Adam, his child, the first man made in his likeness and image? What does he do to teach him about the limitations of property? He says, you see that tree in the middle of the garden? Don't eat it, that's mine. So the property instinct had to have a limit on it, why? What happens to you to this very day sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. What happens to you to this very day if you don't self-govern yourself by the authority of the scriptures when it comes to your desire to have stuff? That instinct without the law of God, which is everything is not yours, some things belong to others. That instinct without the limitations of God's holy word is greed. So in order to stop greed and envy, as the first lesson to his first son, made in his image and likeness, father God, the parent says to the little boy, that tree don't eat from that, that's mine. He had to learn that everything would not always be his. He had to share. Okay, why? Why did he need to learn to rein in his property instinct? Because he had reproductive power to this very day anybody that's worth their salt will tell you every economic problem in the united states of america right now is connected to one issue the erosion of the biological family the welfare state is out of control and the government must be your mommy and the government must be your daddy because your real mommy and your real daddy don't want to do their job so when you have a society of children born out of wedlock without a father and a mother obeying God's word, they are given to a proclivity of a mismanagement of the property instinct. Amen. You wanna destroy a society, mess with the sexual impulse or the property impulse. As it so happens, we're messing with both of them in the United States. We're messing with both of them. And we will not survive without a biblical correction And there will be one. One way or another, there will be a biblical correction.
1: You're listening to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Don't miss the conclusion of this sermon after these messages.
2: Hello, everyone, it's Pastor Kerry. You know, I remember a pivotal moment in American history, and I sat and I watched this drama unfold in Florida concerning Terry Shivo, who was this woman. She had gone on an extreme diet to lose weight and had lost consciousness. And the next thing you know, a few years later, they're literally euthanizing her in a nursing home. I was horrified when I watched that happen, and it set me into a journey to discover and answer some questions that are very important, especially in the field of the political world. Should Christians, for example, simply submit to the possible consequences of decisions, or should they make decisions exclusively based upon the Word of God? Now, that sounds simple to ask that question, and people flippantly answer it, But you'll find that the answer is very clear in the Bible, and it's also very troubling to modern Christians. Very few Christians truly live out the correct answer to that question. Well, I've put together a cartoon series. It's a whiteboard project where I teach you through some steps of logic and then had an artist in the church draw out the illustrations of what I'm trying to convey It's really a remarkable thing, and it's free. All you have to do is go to the website to enjoy it, and I'll take you down the road of the journey I went on long ago, answering that important question. Should Christians make decisions in life based exclusively on what God's Word says, or should they bow down to the threat of consequences? Because you realize sometimes when you make right decisions, there are very painful consequences. And here's where you need to go. I'll give you the website twice. Steps That's steps Please enjoy the presentation. It could really change your life. Thank you for listening and God bless.
1: Welcome back to Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa. Check out our website at beyondthewallsradio.com. Thank you for tuning in. And so
2: the sexual impulse was the same way. God knew, you know, all the women I'm making in this perfect garden, every child born is going to, these women are beautiful. They're going to be beautiful. Adam, you don't get 50 wives. You get one. You don't get to procreate with every pretty woman that is populated across the world. There's gonna be 10,000 beautiful women someday. And without sin, you're never gonna die. You don't get to have sex with any of them, just one. One man, one woman. And the same was told to Eve. You don't get to have all the different men, you get one man. And so the sexual impulse is very powerful, but it must be restrained. Thou shalt not commit adultery, you know. Hundreds and hundreds of years later, God chiseled this down in stone because we were so blockheaded. Thou shalt not steal. It's all in the garden of Eden. All the 10 commandments are slowly demonstrated in the book of Genesis. The laws and the truths of God are eternal. They don't change. And so it's a question of dominion. So the dominion instinct is in every single unsaved pagan on the earth right now and they, basically demonstrate it through lots of greed, lots of lust, lots of envy. The sexual instinct is thriving in the heart of every normal human being on this planet right now, whether they know Jesus or not. And because they do not hold themselves to the restraints of the laws of God, there's all kinds of adultery, there's tons of divorce, and there's a lot of innocent children being abused by adults that don't handle their sexuality with any honor. Somebody ought to say amen, Amen. because it's a plague, it's an epidemic. You know what the number one most popular form of child abuse in America is? Divorce. I know most of you have been divorced, and this just proves I'm not in the the ministry for your money. If I wanted your money and I just wanted to be in the ministry for money, I'd never tell you that you were wrong. But if you divorced, you were wrong. And I hope you repented. If you haven't repented, you need to, because divorce is a sin. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, if you've repented from divorce, you've been forgiven, you ought to say it as loud as anybody. Amen. Amen. So you got to have these restraints on these two powers that God gives us. Now, something spectacular happens, you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Here's what 1 Corinthians chapter 8 is. It's a fundraising letter. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, is a fundraising letter sent by the Apostle Paul. And he's discussing the exchange of finances inside the kingdom of God. The foundation of economic biblical theory is the idea that the world is here, but we don't get to own all of it. We have to share it. And there has to be a just way. There has to be a just way honorable way for men to enjoy the good things God made, he meant for them to be enjoyed, but we must do it in a way that does not unjustly hurt or harm other people's enjoyment of what is here. You can't just take stuff from people. You don't get to do that. Now, in a democratic republic, we have found clever ways to steal from our neighbors without having to go to jail. We've used our ballots and we've used our congressmen as a tool of theft to steal from people who have more than us so that we can have what they worked for and that's wrong too so the foundation of biblical economic theory is based in the book of Genesis and so how you handle sexuality and how you handle property rights to this very day because it's established in Genesis will affect the success or the doom of a nation Now. I want, I want you to see something, and I, I, I'm worried that I've gone too long already. I want you to see something that is remarkable about dominion. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. I want you to see the word that is used here. Because, you know, I talked about the marriage relationship and that the apostle says, first of all, Your covenant in the church is paralleled deliberately by God as parallel of the marriage relationship. A husband and a wife are heirs of the grace of life. They have within their loins the power to create new life. You were born the first time because of a man and a woman in a relationship. In the church, we speak in terms of the twice-born. The church is here to get people born a second time. Mom and dad get them born the first time, but the church of God want to get them born the second time. Mom and dad provide them genetically with the blood necessary to sustain their lives once born. But the church, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, as it comes from the pulpit, from heaven, through the ministers, to the body, and exchange sideways, one believer to another, every joint supplying that blood flow, you're saved by grace and you're saved by the blood of the lamb. And so you're born a second time because the blood of Jesus Christ got into you and it took all the impurities out and you got forgiven of everything that was, you repented and Jesus transformed you all things became new, wow. And you were born again and now you need to stay alive. This is the issue in the Garden of Eden Adam has a dominion instinct Adam has a sexual instinct does he spend the rest of his life establishing his own dominion and raising his own family or does he get the mature picture of what God always wanted from him that Adam was there to partner with God and to use all the gifts and skills God gave Adam to establish God's dominion here and to establish God's children here. Some of you have been born twice. You're a twice born, but you're living with a once born mentality. And you are busy about your business and what you're doing establishing your own personal dominion and feeding your own personal desire for pleasure. Raising your own family. God wants you to understand that all he's really ever designed is for you to see the kingdom first. He wants you to shift your sense of dominion of, I wanna own property, I'm gonna expand my empire, I'm gonna have more, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. He wants you to take the energy of your property instinct, all of you have it, you all wish that you had a nicer car, I do, you all wish that someone would mow your lawn for you, some of you have somebody doing it, I sure do. There's these property desires. You don't want the paint falling off your wall. Nobody likes that. That's normal. You want to have the wall look good. Paint it. Put a picture on there. Make it look pretty. That's normal. We're made that way. It's good. we we orderly, clean, beauty. We're, We're made to produce beautiful things. We like beautiful things. This is good. Cleanliness really is next to godliness. I love George Washington. We were looking at what George Washington said, he picked these guys that would be his personal bodyguards. He said they had to bathe. <laughs> I like that. I knew I liked him. My personal bodyguards must not stink. I thought that was a pretty good. That's pretty fair. So the question is very simple. Are you establishing your own dominion or are you establishing God's dominion? He wants you to take your desire to obtain dominion and property. We talked about Iraq, what it would mean to have a church with a steeple, with a cross on it, what that would mean. It would mean that dominion, the, 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 the church Christendom is taking dominion in a dark place. When the church is driven underground, it's a question of dominion. It's, it's because the government is oppressing and, and resisting and forcing house churches to happen in China because it's against the law. And so there's a dominion struggle. There's a, do, the, the prince of this world, evil, wants to have property dominion physically on the earth that, that subdues and squashes the dominion of God. And so if God can have you see this switch it's not about generosity it's about dominion are you submitting your property dominion instinct to use your energy and your strength to establish the dominion of the church of god or is that a third or fifth thought seek ye first the kingdom of god and then all those other things will be added to you. Getting that epiphany, understanding a revelation of what Jesus was saying, understanding that, helps you tap in to biblical economics.
1: This has been Beyond the Walls with Pastor Kerry Gordon of Cornerstone World Outreach in Sioux City, Iowa.
0: God Himself blew on history so that there would be a light
1: Check out our website at BeyondTheWallsRadio.com.
0: Extra Ecclesium Nulla Salus. There
2: is no salvation outside of the church.
1: Thank you for tuning in.